The church that I served before God led me here to South Park Church, I had gone to visit one of our church members uh, who was sadly terminally ill from cancer. And she was battling that, and she was near the end of her life. Uh, she and her husband, I went to see them, and I had a chance to meet with her uh, individually, one-on-one. -on -one, and she had a hard time. She was dealing with this cancer, but she was at peace, and she was ready to go to be with God in heaven. Uh, and so I, I would see her from time to time, obviously, uh, as she's nearing her death. I uh, had a good visit with her. Her husband, on the other hand, was not a believer in God, was more of an agnostic, not sure that God existed or not. And if God did exist, that he was really angry at God because his wife was dying of cancer and for whatever reason was not going to be healed. And so I uh, had a good visit with her, and then I was out. He was out walking me out into the living room, and usually when I was around him, he would share some of that anger at God with me because I represented God to them. He wasn't mad at me as a person, but he had a lot of anger in his life, and so today he really wanted to, that day he really wanted to talk to me about some of his anger with God, um, even if he wasn't sure that God existed, if that makes sense. But it was an interesting conversation because what he wanted to talk about was about how if Jesus was God and if Jesus was perfect, how there were some faulty things in the Bible. And he wanted to talk about the passage in the Bible that we're going to look at a little bit later today where Jesus was tempted by the devil. And he said, Pastor Kyle, if Jesus was really perfect and he was really, you know, God, then there's no way that he could even be tempted. There's nothing that, that could even tempt him because he wouldn't be tempted by anything that would tempt you or me. And I tried to explain to him, well, you know, Jesus is kind of a hard person to understand because on one hand, he is 100% God, and things that would tempt us probably wouldn't tempt God. But Jesus also was 100% human, which is kind of hard to understand, 100, 100, 200%, how do you do that? But, but we believe that he was also human, and so the human part of him could be tempted in, in ways like you and I are tempted. But the neat thing about Jesus was that when he was tempted to do things that were contrary to what God wanted, that he was able to escape from that temptation and that Jesus never gave in to his temptation. So today as we think about our sermon series of Escape Room and how God helps us escape from challenging situations in our lives, I want us to look today to see, can God help us like God helped Jesus to escape temptation that challenges us in our lives? Can we escape the, the, the threat or the, the challenge of temptation in our lives? So I would just ask you in your own mind right now to think about what are those things in your life that you find tempting that God doesn't want you to participate in? What are the things in your life that tempt you to get off the path, to do the wrong thing, to not follow God's will? For some of us, they might be related to lust. For some of us, it might be related to wealth. For some of us, it might be related to our pride. For some of us, it might be related to gossip. What is it in your life that you just really want to do that feels good at the time, but you know that it's not a good thing to do? What tempts you in your life? And can we, like Jesus, find escape from our temptation? So that's what we're going to look at today. And maybe a good place to begin is, well, what does it mean to be tempted? What is temptation? So let's look at a definition that we can work from today. Temptation is an enticement to get a person like you or me 
right, to act contrary or against God's will, right? Something that tries to get us to do what God doesn't want us to do. And it seems like fun, but ultimately the things that we're tempted by can do harm to us and to the people that we love in our lives. Now, if you and I were to sit down today and, and just start making a list, well, how could we avoid temptation, right? What are some common sense things that we might do to avoid temptation in our lives? We might come up with a list something like this. These are just a few things that I came up with off the top of my head. How would I avoid temptation in my life, right? One of them is don't put yourself in tempting situations or crowds, right? If you have an issue with pornography, then don't sit at a computer screen where you can be by yourself and no one else can walk by and monitor that, right? If you have a, a problem with gossiping and you've got a group of friends who love to assassinate other people in your social circle, then maybe avoid that crowd, right? Don't put yourself in a situation or around other people that are going to tempt you to do exactly what you know that you shouldn't be doing, right? So I think that's a common sense thing. Another, another thing that's related to this, cut off the supply, right? Cut off the supply. If it's pornography, cut it off, right? If, it's, if you're addicted to video games and you, you play too many video games when you're supposed to be doing your homework, right? Cut off the supply, right? So we want to cut off the supply of what it is that we're tempted by, right? Another thing that we can do, focus on better things, right? Talk to a friend, get outside, walk, Exercise, bike, come to church, read your Bible, right? When you're tempted to do something, try to redirect your attention to something that's better for you to be doing. Right? Another thing that we can do, call a friend, right? Have someone who's accountable. Like, hey, Fred, you know what? I really want to have a drink today, and I know I shouldn't be having a drink today, so I need you to get over here and help me with this temptation, right? We, we set up an accountability partner. For whatever it is that triggers you, if you're getting ready to be triggered, call or text somebody who can say, hey, I'm here for you. Call me, text me anytime. I'll help you deal with whatever it is that you're struggling with. Right? Another thing, right? If we are addicted to something like alcohol or drugs, uh, then we're probably going to need some extra help. We're probably not going to be able to resist that by ourselves. I did a sermon series earlier this year about addiction. If you missed that, if you struggle with addiction, you can go check that out on our website, right? In some instances, we just can't deal with the temptation by ourselves, and we need to get help, right? So these are some, maybe some common sense ideas that we have in dealing with temptation, and I'm sure there are many more that you can come up with or thinking about right now. And so I'd love to hear some of that later today maybe. Or if you're watching online, you can drop that in the chat line there. What are some other ways that we can resist temptation? Now the good news today is that in addition to the common sense things, God offers to help us combat the things that we're tempted by. Right? Divine intervention, supernatural help. God is ready to help us with whatever we struggle with and to give us power over it. And so today we're going to go into the Bible and find out ways that we can get God's help to deal with whatever it is that we struggle with when it comes to temptation. And we're going to look directly at Jesus' life. We're going to look at that passage that, that man was challenging me about that I mentioned to you earlier in the message today. And so what's going on is that Jesus has grown up, right? He grew up in Nazareth. He did his thing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and he's about 30 years old, and he's getting ready to start his public ministry. 
He's going to go and he's going to heal and he's going to, he's going to teach and preach and cast out demons and do all that stuff. And to get ready to start his ministry, he goes out into the rocky desert and he spends some time alone with God in prayer. And he chooses to fast. He's not going to eat. He's not going to drink. Right? He's going to spend some time in prayer to get ready for his ministry. This is not an uncommon thing. We see this in Scripture. People go away. They spend time with God. They refrain from eating or doing something so they can focus and get ready for the mission that's at hand. And Jesus is doing this. And in the midst of that, he's going to be tempted by the devil himself because the devil knows that Jesus has come to do great good in the world and he wants to do everything in his power to stop Jesus from doing that. So let's pick up this story right before Jesus starts his public ministry as a grown-up. And just imagine Jesus is out in a rocky desert spending time with God and we pick up the story here. Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 2. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, right? Remember, we know God as one God who reveals himself as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was with Jesus. Jesus was not by himself. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness like this rocky desert to be tempted by the devil. Right? After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry, right? I would be hungry if I didn't eat for 40 days or 40 nights. So he's got to be feeling physically kind of weak in this. And there are a few points that I want to, po want to point out today. One is, right, Jesus is spirit-led. He's not by himself, right? When we think about combating temptation, a lot of times we try to do it on our own, and sometimes we fail because we're not turning to God. So Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's not out here to be going against Satan by himself, right? Another point is that the devil is the real adversary here. I know that some of us don't believe in the devil. I do believe in the devil. I think he's a fallen angel. I think he's on the earth. He tries to, to take us off the path and mislead us. But if you don't believe in the devil, I'm pretty sure you believe that evil is real. And there are forces in the world that are trying to destroy us. And so whether you believe in the devil, which I do, or evil itself, there are forces in the world that are trying to take us off the path. Right? There, are, there, there are enemies in the world. I think we can agree on that. Right? So here the devil's the real adversary. Right? Another thing, notice who's doing the tempting. Right? God never tempts us to do evil. God will never do that. Right? This is the devil. This is the work of evil. Right? God will never tempt you to do something that's wrong. Sometimes we get confused on that. Right? God does work in tempting circumstances to give us strength. So when we're tempted by the devil, when we're tempted by evil, right? that's not God doing that, but God is with us, and he's ready to help give us the strength that we need. Now what's a little confusing here is the word that's originally in Hebrew for tempt can also be translated as a test, right? So sometimes we see this as a test, right? God's testing us. Now, the devil's tempting us, but God's ready to strengthen us so that we can choose to do the right thing. So let's keep going and see what happens next, right? So Jesus is going to be tempted in three different ways, right? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread, right? Because Jesus is what? He's hungry, and he can do anything that he wants. 
And so what the devil is doing here is he's challenging Jesus' personal identity. You're the son of God. You don't deserve to be hungry. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Has the devil ever tried to attack your personal identity? If you were a real man, then you would do this, right? You would drink this or you would smoke this, right? Do you see how the devil appeals to our, our, our identity, right? If you really loved me, you would go all the way with me even though we're not married, right? Do you see how that works? If you were a real friend, you would give me the answers to this test even though you're not supposed to. How does the devil attack you and your identity? If you are the son of God, you don't deserve to be hungry. Right? Tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, right? This is from the Bible. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? So just a couple of verses, but it's still, I think there's a lot to unpack here. So let's look at what's happening as Jesus right, is being attacked with his personal identity, right? One of those is that temptation does not always try to get a person to do something inherently sinful, right? Is it, is it wrong for Jesus to turn stones into bread, right, on any given day? There's nothing really wrong with doing that, with the exception of he's supposed to be fasting and praying to God. This is not the time for him to do that, right? So on any given day for Jesus to turn stones into bread, it wouldn't be a problem. But the circumstances say it's not the right time, right? So as we think about that. Like with my son, right, if, if it's okay that my boys play video games, right, if, if it's the right kind of video games, but not if they're supposed to be doing their homework, right? So there's nothing wrong with playing a video game unless the circumstance calls for something different, right? God gives us the gift of sex. There's nothing wrong with having sex as long as you're in the context of being married. But outside of that is the problem, right? So there's nothing... That's what Satan does. He takes good things and tries to twist them and get us to take them in the wrong circumstance. And that's what he's doing with Jesus here. Right? He's supposed to be fasting. He's supposed to be spending time in prayer. And Satan wants him to do something that by itself, nothing wrong with it. It's just the circumstance is not the right time or the right place. Right? And the first temptation here attacks Jesus' personal trust in God. Right? How do you know that God's going to let you ever eat? Right? Is 40 days not enough? Right? And so he, he's attacking Jesus' personal trust in God. And, and Jesus, the passage that he quotes from the Bible, is from the book of Deuteronomy. And it's when the people of Israel were out in the desert, kind of like where Jesus was. And God was feeding them bread from heaven miraculously. Jesus is like, God will take care of me when the time is right. If he can feed those people out in the desert with bread coming out of heaven, then God's going to take care of me. I don't need to turn these stones into bread. Right? So Jesus passes this first temptation. How does the devil try to take something good in your life and twist it and tempt you to use it in a wrong way? How does the devil try to come into your life and try to attack your identity? If you're a real man, if you're a real woman, if you're a real friend, then you would do this. Be careful and watch for how the devil will do that. Right? Let's see what happens next with Jesus. Right? This is the second temptation. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel, right? We're in the nation of Israel where Jesus was. 
and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, right? The temple was the national church. So it'd be like if Satan took me on top of the big cross right here, right? And had me stand on top of the cross outside the church here. And he says, if you're the son of God, right? He's still playing off Jesus' identity. Then throw yourself down. Jump off, right? And then the devil quotes the Bible, right? He's going to quote something right out of the Bible, the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. For it's written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. It says in the Bible, if you jump off, the angels will catch you, and you'll be fine. So Jesus, jump off and see what happens. And then Jesus answered him. It's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Now, you've got to know what's going on here, right? So Jesus was sent into the world to save the people of Israel and to save the entire world, right? That was his message, was to save people. The people of Israel were at the mercy of the Roman government. The Romans had taken over Israel, and they were everywhere. And so the place of the temple was kind of a religious, political center. And so if Jesus went there and he jumped off the temple and the angels came, then people would see that and they would think, hey, this is a military messiah. This is a political Messiah. He's come to be with an army of angels, and we're going to go and fight the Romans, and we're going to take over Israel again. But that's not Jesus' message, right? So there's a couple of points here that I want us to see, right? The second temptation is an attack on Jesus' national responsibility. The passage from the Bible that Satan quoted was God saying that he loves Israel, Right? And so if Jesus jumps off the temple, the angels come, then it's going to make a military and a political statement that I am the king who's come to kick the Romans out, and you all need to follow me. But that is not the direction that Jesus was going, right? He was a spiritual, humble person. He was going to die on a cross rather than to take up arms against the Romans, right? So what Satan does is that he twists the scripture, he takes this scripture that's focused on Israel. He tries to twist it. He tries to get Jesus to jump off and make a political or a military statement. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to do that. Right? And, he, and he, Jesus then quotes scripture and says, right, you don't test God. You don't test me. I'm not going to play this game. Right? So many times in our lives, people take scripture and they misuse it. We've used scripture in our lives to justify slavery as being God's will, which it is not. To oppress women and say that they don't have any place to lead in churches, which is not what scripture is about, right? And so in our lives, we twist scripture all the time. Or worse, the devil tries to twist scripture and to get us in trouble. Now, an interesting sidebar is in our nation right now, which is so divided politically... I want you to look and be careful for how people are using Scripture to get us divided against each other. If you were a real American, then you would support this. If you were a real American, then you wouldn't vote for them, you would vote for me. How are we allowing the devil to twist Scripture and our, our allegiance and our patriotism to put us against each other? Right? He's attacking Jesus in a nationalistic way. How is Satan trying to stir up America right now to put us at each other's throats? Right? I'm not going to get into the specifics. 
But I want you to listen to all of our leaders, whether they're Republicans uh, or Democrats or Independents, and what are the words coming out of their mouths that might be doing the very same thing that's happening. And I know we've got really good politicians that are doing good on both sides of the aisle, so I'm not trying to say that. But we've got to be careful for how things are stirring us up where we're a nation divided and we're at each other's throats all the time, and we can't let Satan do that, right? So be wary of that and watch for that. So he keeps going. This is the last thing that that Satan's going to do. Uh, to Jesus, and he says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay, so a few more points that are happening here in the life of Jesus as he's being tempted, right? The third temptation has a universal dimension, right? We saw the personal dimension, right? Jesus, you're the son of God. We saw the national dimension. And now Satan's saying, I'll give you the entire world. I'll give you everything if you simply bow down and worship me, right? Temptations offer enticing but dangerous shortcuts. What was Jesus' mission, right? He came to invite every person in every nation in the whole world, then and now and forever, to come into the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted to bring everybody into the kingdom of God, and the way that he was going to do that was through dying on a cross and coming back to life. And what Satan is doing is saying, don't worry about that. Don't cause yourself the pain, the humiliation, the torture. Right? Just skip the cross. I'll give you the world now. I'll give you everything, right? Take the shortcut, right? He's trying to play on Jesus' humanity of, yeah, I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to die. I don't want people to reject me. Satan's like, I'll go ahead. I'll give you the whole world. You can bring them into the kingdom, right? Just skip all the stuff that you're supposed to do. How many times in our lives does Satan tempt us to take the shortcut to get something good in the wrong way? You want an A? Right? Don't worry about studying. Don't worry about working hard. Cheat. It's yours. Right? You want to be wealthy? Right? Don't worry about going to school or working hard. Right? right? Just do something illegal and make a lot of money quickly. Right? That, that's how Satan does. He, he offers us shortcuts. Right? You want to feel good about yourself? Right? You, don't, you don't have to do anything to do that. Just here, take this substance and put it in your body and you'll feel great. Right? What shortcut is Satan offering you right now that looks attractive and will get you exactly what you want without any of the work? What do they say? If it's too good to be true, it what? Often is. Be careful of shortcuts, brothers and sisters. It's a dead-end street. And that's exactly how the devil rolls. And he's trying to do it to Jesus right here. And I guarantee he's probably trying to do it in your life right now. What shortcut is the devil trying to get you to take that's going to lead you astray? Be careful of that. Be careful of that. Scripture is the antidote to temptations twisting of reality. Every time the devil uh, tempted Jesus and even threw Scripture at him, how did Jesus respond? Every time he quotes the Bible. Jesus knows his Bible, and he knows how to use it. We need to be in the Word. You don't need to be an expert at the Bible, but we need to read the Bible every day. 
Right? We, we need to study. We need to keep coming to worship. And, and, and we can talk about it like I'm talking about it now. We have small groups that study the Bible together. Right? The best antidote to temptation is when we're in God's Word. Right? That is an antidote. So please, 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 in some way or fashion every day, be in the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. What does the Scripture say? Not just when I take it out of context, but in the chapter, in the book, how does it relate to the whole Bible, right? We need to be in God's Word, right? And God alone is worthy of our worship, right? Satan said, worship me. I think a lot of times we get in trouble with temptation because anything that we put above God is something that we worship. It could be a relationship. It could be our job. It could be our cats and dogs. It could be our homes. It could, it could be something that's really good that we're working for that we put above God. Right? Again, temptation takes good things and tries to twist them. Right? There's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with relationships. There's nothing wrong with pets. There's nothing wrong with all these good things. It's just when we put them below God is when we get in trouble. And that's what Satan's trying to do. He's like, worship me. I'll give you everything. I'll give you the shortcut. You don't have to worry about the cross, but Jesus saw through that. Right? And then I love this last part. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? What did, God, what did Jesus say? Get away from me, Satan. Get out. Beat it. Go home. I don't want you here, right? But now remember, Jesus didn't do that by himself. He had the Spirit, right? Which we also have the Holy Spirit. God has sent the Spirit into our world, into our lives. God has sent the Spirit into you. And so it's not just us saying, hey, Satan, beat it. But the Spirit is in us, and so we can do that. It's like, devil, I know you're trying to tempt me here. Get out. Go away. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, go, right? Get away from me. In James 4, 7, it says those words exactly, right? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? Look at what happens in the next, in the next verse. Let's go back to the last Matthew verse. There we go. All right, next one. Let's go to 11. Matthew 4, 11. There we go. Then the devil left him, right? And angels came and attended him, right? He said, get away, and the devil left him, right? Now, here's something to remember. The devil left him, but he comes back later and messes with him, right? So, like, the devil will flee for a time, but he's going to come back, right? He will flee. He'll go away. He's like, all right, the Spirit's working in this person, right? I got to flee, but I'm not giving up on him. He's going to come back, right? So we got to keep saying, go away in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Spirit, right? Leave me alone, right? God gives us that power. God gives us that power, right? So that's powerful, right? So Jesus gives us great example, right? A lot of lessons in there. Uh, I want to show you one other piece of scripture. This is from Paul. Uh, he was a first century pastor, found a lot of churches in the Mediterranean world. He wrote most of the New Testament. It's basically letters that he wrote to Christians, and this is, he's writing to Christians in Corinth, which is in Greece. Uh, and he's specifically talking to a congregation that's struggling with sexual sin and with idolatry, worshiping things other than God. So Paul's talking to people who are struggling sexually. He's talking to people who are struggling with idolatry, loving things other than God. And this is what Paul says to them. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humankind. Right? What you're struggling with, other people struggle with. I think a lot of times in our lives, we think, no one understands what I'm going through. No one can deal with this. That's wrong. Whatever you're struggling with right now, someone else is struggling with it, and someone else is struggling with it now, right? Nothing that you're struggling with is not unknown 
to other people, right? And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, right? But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let's leave that scripture up there for a second. I want to take a time out. I want to step out of temptation for a second. This scripture is one of the most twisted and misused scriptures in all of the world. I want to tell you how. Have you ever heard it said that God won't give you more than you can handle? Have you ever heard that? That's how people misinterpret this. Right? People read this and they think, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a misinterpretation of this scripture. Right? For example, your child died. Well, God won't give me more than I can handle. God must have known that I was a strong enough parent to handle a dead child. You're raped. Well, this wouldn't have happened to me if God didn't think I was strong enough to be raped. Right? You're dying of cancer. right? Well, God wouldn't give me cancer if I wasn't strong enough to handle it. Right? That's all wrong. God doesn't cause rape. God doesn't kill children. God doesn't cause cancer. This is one of the most twisted passages of Scripture in the entire world. If you're going through something hard and terrible right now, God did not cause that. Don't let this scripture be twisted. Right? Like that woman that I visited who was dying of cancer. Right? If I went in and said to her husband, you know, well, you know, we should rejoice. God wouldn't have given your wife cancer because she can handle it. Right? He'd have punched me in the face. And he should have punched me in the face if I had said that. I didn't say that because I don't believe that. That is not what this scripture says. Okay? So please don't ever say that to someone. And please don't let anyone say that to you. God doesn't cause bad stuff to happen to us in our lives. That's not what this scripture is. What it says is, when we are tempted by the devil or by evil, God gives us a way out, right? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you're tempted, he will also give you a way out so that you can endure the temptation. God gives us a way out. God gives us a way out. Remember the temptations of Jesus? Right, that was a couple of thousand years ago. Look at this next one, right? Do you remember the very first book of the Bible? Like whenever Adam and Eve were created, the very first humans? It's the same exact same thing. Satan's been doing the same game since the very beginning, right? So the temptation of physical relevance, right? For Jesus turned these stones into bread, right? To Adam and Eve, he said what? Take the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eat it, right? Nothing new under the sun. The same temptation he gave Jesus, he gave to the very first humans, Right? The second temptation, confirm God's love and, and will. Right, Jump off the temple and God will rescue you. And he says to Adam and Eve, right, you won't die when you eat the fruit. Right, It's pleasing to the eye. Same temptation to Jesus as was to Adam and Eve. And then finally, the third temptation to Jesus, pride and power. Right, You can have all the kingdoms of the world. Right, And what does he say to Adam and Eve? You eat of this fruit of the tree of knowledge, you'll be like God. Nothing new under the sun. Whatever you're being tempted with right now, some other person's being tempted, right? So take comfort that you're not alone in that. And look at this. This is from Hebrews. This is talking about Jesus, the humanity of Jesus. I want you to think about this. For we don't have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin. 
Jesus was tempted in every way. Jesus was tempted with sex. Jesus was tempted with power. Jesus was tempted with pride. Everything that we're tempted with, Jesus was tempted with. And he was able to take a way out because God was with him. Right? So to me, I take comfort in knowing that you're not alone in your temptation, whatever it is. A lot of us think, wow, I'm just such a perverted person. There's no one else in the world could be tempted by this. Not true, right? I'm such a loser. I'm so weak. No one else in the world will be tempted by this. Not true, right? You're not alone in what you're being tempted by. And you also are not alone because the power of God is with you to resist it, right? So what's the point today? What's the takeaway? What's the big idea? I know we've talked a lot, right? God provides the way out. God provides the way out. When you're tempted to do the wrong thing, you're tempted to go down the path that's going to lead you to destruction, God provides the way out, right? And remember what Scripture says specifically. Let's go to that next slide, right? God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you're tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can come through it. So as we think about action steps, how do I resist temptation? This is it, right? One, take the way out, right? God's standing right there. Take the way out. How do we do that? Resist the devil, right? Away from me. Be gone, right? I know what you're doing. I know what game you're playing. Get out, right? Resist the devil and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it alone. God, I need you to live in me. I need you to guide me. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. God, come inside of me, right? We, we walk with the Spirit. So resist the devil and the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the guidance of the Word, right, we've got to be in the Bible. We've got to be reading our Bibles, studying our Bibles, alone, together in groups, in worship, right? Be in the Word. Resist the devil and the power of the Holy Spirit through the guidance of the Word of God to accomplish the will of God. Right? And here's something very practical you can do. Whenever you're facing temptation, ask the question, is this what God wants for me? Does God want me to do this? Does God want me to do that? Does God, does God want me to do this in this moment? That's an operative question that I ask myself sometimes, right? You, hey, I really want to do this, but is this what God wants me to do? And if I do this, what's the consequence? Is this what God wants me to do, right? So resist the devil in the power of the Spirit through the guidance of the Word to accomplish the will of God. Take the way out. Now, that's my preacher hat. Let me talk to you with the human side of myself. Even when we do all of that, there's going to be times in our lives where we get it wrong and we fail. And we take the bait, we give in to the temptation, we do the wrong things, we hurt ourselves, and we hurt other people. Guess what? You're human, and it's going to happen. Guess what? God loves you anyway, and God will forgive you, and God will help you pick up the pieces of your lives. So I don't want you to feel that when you give in to temptation, that it's all over. Oh, man, I, I couldn't be like Jesus. Oh, man, I, I gave in. Man, Pastor Kyle's going to be disappointed in me. I can't go to church anymore. I can't pray anymore. I can't read my Bible anymore. I'm such a terrible loser, right? I gave in to temptation. There's no hope for me. That's not true, right? God loves you. God will forgive you. You're going to make mistakes, right? Now, don't use that as an excuse to say, well, God's going to forgive me. I'm going to go ahead and do it, right? Woohoo! right? That's not what I'm saying. But when you fail, and you will fail, I fail. God loves us. He dusts us off, and he forgives us, and he gets us back in the game. 
God. Never think that you're too far from God. No matter what you've done, no matter what, what you've done, God still loves you and welcomes you back and will give you strength for the next time, right? So when temptation comes and you fail, ask God for forgiveness, receive forgiveness, forgive yourself, and move on. But know that God always provides a way out. And I encourage you, to the best of your ability, to take that way out, resist temptation, and live a life that is full in Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.